0: Welcome to The Automators, I'm David Sparks and joined by my co-host Rosemary Orchard and this is The Automators where we talk about how to automate your technology to do your bidding for you. Hello Rose, how are you today?
1: Oh, I'm doing great, David. We have got a great show lined up Uh, and when you suggested this topic to me, I was there going, you know what, there are so many little things that I've done which really, really, you know, make my life easier Um, and uh, so I love that that's what we're going to talk about today.
0: Yeah, and we're focused on the Mac today. Uh, sorry, Windows users, but a lot of this stuff could probably translate over with a different set of apps. But we, we were just looking at all the little automation steps we take to improve the quality of life on our Macs. And um, none of these were enough to give them their own show. But when you put them together, there's actually a lot of stuff here to make your day easier as you work on your Mac. So that's what we're going to talk about today. Um we're starting with my favorite uh automation subject on the Mac, or the one that's on my mind the most lately is window management. Uh, I haven't talked about it on this show, but I went through a whole sordid tale where I traded my iMac Pro to a guy, and you know, money changed hands, and I ended up with a ridiculously um, overrated, um, overpriced. I guess it's not overrated, or overpriced, but it's it's out of my my wheelhouse I, I bought one of those fancy apple monitors through a trade and um it's way more monitor than i need it's got a bunch of features that i don't really use but i figured the intel imac wasn't gonna have value much longer so trading it for a fancy monitor that i can use with uh, hopefully a future apple silicon mac well, just kind of made sense
1: Um, wait david are you telling me that you have a crystal ball because you got rid of your iMac pro before apple killed the iMac pro line
0: i felt better after that happened i mean i felt kind of sad because i thought that was probably my favorite um, intel mac i ever owned but but you know getting rid of it um you know the writing was on the wall when you see that and a macbook air can render video faster than my iMac pro so yeah, you, you can only imagine what it's going to be like when they release f- uh, future Apple Silicon Macs that have more cores and are going to you, you know just run circles around an iMac Pro. So, so anyway, I've got a very fancy monitor that I feel guilty about owning because it's more monitor than I deserve. Um, uh, it does a lot in terms of um, brightness that I don't really need, but one thing I really like about it is the size it is a 6K resolution as opposed to 5K, and it's massive on my desk. So suddenly I have more pixels than I ever could imagine using, and that totally changed up my game for window management.
1: Yeah, and window management is actually something I've been struggling with quite a bit recently. I've, I've realized that I need to, to get better at it, as in, when I'm starting certain contexts, I really need something that'll just kick everything off and go this app over here, this app here, this app here, these apps over here on on the secondary monitor, something I'll talk about in a in a second, um, and uh, everything else just gone, please. Because one of the the things I've been discovering with is I've, I'm I've not been super great about you know getting rid of the things that I don't need uh, before I I start doing the next thing, uh, which is okay when you're at your computer a lot, um, but not necessarily great when you've not been at your computer as much. Um, and that's something that I have been, you know, recently um, I've, I've had some time off work and I've spent a good chunk of it re-watching uh, Once Upon a Time uh, on Netflix, which is a great show and I'm really enjoying it. And it's great to have a bit of time to zen out and just do nothing. Um, but at the same time, you know, it means that I come back and uh, today's Tuesday. I've still got the applications open from recording the last iOS today, last Friday, uh, because that's how much I've used my computer since then. It not at all, um and uh, so that's something that I'm looking forward to hearing how you do this, so that I can hear how I can get better at it.
0: Yeah, well, there's really two elements to window management. The first is the simple one, just saying take this window and put it somewhere, which I think is something I want to talk about because there's a this is something automation can help. But then there's also like a second level to it where I would call it kind of setup automation, where not only do you stick a window somewhere, but you stick like. For a podcast, you'd stick the recording thing in one spot and the the outline in another spot. So you, you set up the computer to do a specific type of work. And that is also done through window management. Um, and then you've got also that super wide monitor, which I'm sure is yeah. making you struggle a little bit with where do you stick things?
1: Well, not so much because I tend to use vertical thirds on this monitor. Um, and I actually have a portable monitor, which is a, a 15-inch monitor, um, and it's powered by USB-C. Um, And so if you plug it into a USB-C machine, then you can just plug in a USB-C cable and it'll it'll do everything. And I originally got this for travel. Uh, Oh, how naive I was being. But it works really great for when I'm recording Screencast for Screencast Online. And also the rest of the time now, I am using this vertically next to my monitor. Um, And uh, I've actually taken a leaf out of your book, David, from back in the day when you had three monitors on the go, where you had your iMac in the middle and two portrait monitors either side. And I've got OmniFocus and my calendar on there. Yeah. Um, and that just means that I can always glance over and see, oh, yeah, like, you know, these these are the things that I should be seeing. Um, and uh, I've I've been programming some things so that I use uh, my Stream Deck and Keyboard Maestro to switch what I actually see in either of those, um, you know, when, when I switch context. So, for example, if I'm podcasting, then it'll switch to podcasting perspective in OmniFocus and my podcasting calendar set. Um, in fantastical um, which is great but i i need to do more than just that because that's not really managing windows that's you know sorting out the things inside the windows
0: yeah agreed and um, i like to i think one of the things you do when you go to window management is to give some thought uh, and some intentionality to where do you generally want things to show up i mean a lot of us have 27 inch screens on imax um, which have a lot of screen space on them, or maybe multiple monitors. Um, we're going to put a, a flag in in laptops, and come to back that back to that in a minute. But for you know the bigger screens, like I generally, um, like one of the things I, that occurred to me is I generally want that center space as a workspace. Like that's where I've got the big Safari window, or the big Microsoft Word or Pages or Obsidian or whatever I'm working on. Um, One of the advantages of the 6K monitor is I can actually split that center space where I have like the top maybe 25% uh, for some sort of reference and the bottom 75% for the big thing I'm working on. And it's still fine, you know, because there's just so much space on this monitor. But I like to think about the center of the screen as my working space. And then um, on the left side, I like to have my tasks and my calendar. In my case, OmniFocus and Fantastical. And I always have OmniFocus on top and Fantastic Hell on the bottom. But my calendar and an active task list is always just right there for me to reference. And then on the right side, I think of that as kind of like the, um, you know, like the drawer in your kitchen where you keep a lot of extra stuff. So I'll have at certain points of the day I'll have communications in there, but I usually keep that shut down because I don't want the distraction. But like Slack um, messages, um, Basecamp, whatever different areas i'm communicating with people i can keep that in little windows over there i also keep it for um because i've been experimenting with toggle i actually use their app and keep it over there so i can see the active time track along with the timing app which gives me better data in terms of exactly how much time i spent in different apps on my mac and you know just kind of like depending on if we're if we're dealing with rain i'll keep you know carrot weather but i've got like a bunch of little like utility informational apps on the right side and Mm -hmm. with this gigantic monitor i can do that but you could also do it with a 27 inch screen another alternative like rose is doing is you could have literally a second screen attached whether it's to a laptop or uh, an imac screen and you could you know designate as a space for those types of reference apps
1: yeah. Yeah. And I mean, that's something that I've experimented with as well, because I have this ultra wide monitor. And when I say ultra wide, it's it's a 34 inch monitor. So it's pretty darn huge. It's about the same size as two normal monitors that you yeah. would be issued at work, which funnily enough, is how I ended up with one in the first place, uh, because my MacBook Adorable could only support one monitor Um the MacBook Adorable is sadly no more. I still have a work issued one and when I plug it into this monitor, it works great. Um, but you know, this, this works really well. But most of the time I, I find that I tend to work in, in vertical thirds, and I, I'm I'm pretty much at the moment exclusively using Better Touch tool for that, which is a great tool and uh it's actually for mouse and, and trackpad management uh, primarily and you can do all sorts of things like connect Siri remotes and stuff to it um, but what I'm using it for is what um uh, another uh, smaller spin-off application from it uh, can do is better snap tool and this is integrated into better touch tool and you can create drag zones so when you drag an application into that zone uh, then it automatically um, you know can resize it to something that you set up and you can customize all of that and set it up Uh, But I've been struggling a little bit because it's a little bit fiddly to do. Um, And um, at one point I thought I found a bug and it was losing things. It turned out I had it set up on one computer and I didn't have it set up on another and exporting it from one computer to another was a a bit tricky. So I've been looking to improve that because I pretty much set up vertical thirds on, on this monitor. Um, and then I've got the the natural snapping that it can do. So it can automatically snap to halves and quarters, um, which is great if that's what you need. Um, however, sometimes it's it's nice to have a few more options um, than that. And that's what I would really like to improve on.
0: Yeah, And so that's the first part of this. We're talking about window management and yeah. you know, putting windows in their place. and and there's really, I can't understate this if you bring intentionality to this it really improves your productivity because your brain snaps to the place like i always look to the lower left corner to check calendar i mean because i've always whether i had it on an external monitor or a corner of my gigantic monitor my calendar is always in the same place and as silly as it sounds removing that little bit of friction and knowing that you know omnifocus is up is up on the left side and calendar is down on the left side it just makes it so much easier i never think about it You know, whereas when you've got a bunch of windows that are stacked on top of each other and you want to figure out what you're supposed to do next, or if you're available next Tuesday, you've got to like go, go spelunking through your computer to find the window. Um, There is really something to be said for having this stuff organized and and figured out.
1: Yes. Yeah, there definitely is. Um, And that's the thing, because I know as I work. Um, you know I tend to start the day with a relatively clean and tidy desk and then by the end of the day there's stuff all over my desk in a bunch of different places but one of the things I always do at the end of the day is I reset my desk I put things back where they're supposed to go the pest notes go back in the in the top left and the pens go in, in the pen caddy next to it and and things like that and the buttons that I have dotted around my desk to do things go back into the, their normal location um, and that works great and that's something I need to get better at doing with on my doing on my Mac as well because you know, I, my Mac is an extension of my desk. It's on my desk. Why shouldn't I reset things so that when I come to it the next morning, I can look at it and go, yeah, everything's in the right place. And if I can set it up so that the the windows are where they're supposed to be, OmniFocus and my calendar are here, and maybe everything else is closed um, so that then whatever context I decide to choose, I can open the right windows and put them in the right places. Then, you know, that's that's going to be ideal for me um, and hopefully help me stay on track um, and so that's that's the uh, that's the uh, aim at the very least,
0: in theory. <laughs> yes,
1: everything is theoretical, and my life is a beta, so it will probably change by this time tomorrow. But that's okay, providing I'm you know I'm actually getting the work done as well as playing around and messing with the automations.
0: Well, well, doing this through window management doesn't necessarily mean um, everything is set up exactly for a specific mode of work, but at least allows you to know that there are certain spaces you can stick this window. And um, I just sent Rose a screenshot of. Yeah. My, and I'm uh, looking thing. at it right now. And, and one of the things that I've, I've decided is that I don't want these equal squares. I don't want like one third, one third, one third. Every, I want different size spaces to use differently. For instance, um, on my monitor, because I'm putting everything on one monitor The Fantastical window is relatively small on the left side. But if I actually want to work on the calendar, I want to suddenly put that in the center and make that the main focus and be able to work on it, but then put it back where it belongs afterwards. And this is window management. I want that to happen quickly with keyboard shortcuts. Um, uh, We're going to talk about Keyboard Maestro for this purpose later, but there's a simpler and easier app to use for this, for just this purpose, that I've been using, and it's called Moom, M-O-O-M.
1: Yeah, and because of you, David, I just downloaded this at the start of the show because I saw what you wrote in our outline and went, wow, I need this. And now I've got it, and I've just downloaded it from the App Store. That's all I've done so far. Um, And I've got it here, and I'm looking at the preferences pane and going okay, what is this? How do I use it? So David, tell me how you are using Moom.
0: Yeah. What what Moom does, there's a couple I mean, it is a window management tool and out of the box, it does the stuff like better touch tool where you can drag and you can have hot corners and do things like that. But what, what really I think makes it exceptional are two features. Number one is it allows you to do asymmetrical, um, presets. So you can set a grid with as many boxes as you want. Like I, the, the, the grid I use is eight by six. So it looks at the screen and it splits the screen in eight by six grids. And because I have the big six K monitor, that's what I use. If I had a smaller monitor, I might change that. But, um, and then it allows you to drag an app into that grid. So if you want it in the center, maybe you're making it, you know, uh, square three across to square You know seven and then you pull down for the full like height of the screen and so then you've set it to that grid and then you can put other apps in other places on the grid and everything fits together very nicely one of the settings they have is to intentionally leave a like a padding between those grid spaces so like Mm -hmm. i think i have mine set at 10 points where you've got just a little bit of space between the windows. So everything isn't right on top of each other. And I think I find that a little bit of padding actually helps me um, kind of like distinguish what is where. And then, but you can change it from 10 points to two points, whatever you want. And, but then you see so you designate these spaces. And like I said earlier, some spaces are bigger than others. And I use the word spaces here. I'm not talking about the OS 10 feature where you have different screens. This is just like space on the single screen. But the advantage of, of Moom is you set those spaces and then you can save them as a preset. So you can say, whatever the active app is, I want to put it in my big center space, or I want to put it in my bottom left space. So if you're in your head, you have these spaces designated, you can then save those as presets and attach keyboard shortcuts to them. So then then the magic really starts happening. So like. If I go to Fantastical on the bottom left and I'm like, okay, now I want to work on my calendar. I hit, uh, what do I hit? I hit control option down arrow and it puts it in my big center space, which is at the bottom. Like I said earlier, I've got the center split into a uh, top and bottom because this monitor has so many pixels. So I, I take the calendar and immediately zip it to the big working section of the screen so I can do calendar work there. And when I'm done, I hit control shift um, down arrow, which is the keyboard shortcut that I have saved to put it back in the left side at the bottom. Um, mm-hmm. So, and you set these keyboard shortcuts to whatever makes sense for you. I have to actually look at my keyboard when I tell you, because at this point, they're just internal to me. My fingers just kind of do it. I don't really think about it. Yeah. Um, but that way, I'm moving these windows between different size spaces as I go throughout the day. You know, when it's reference, it goes over to the left. When I'm working on it, it goes to the center. And all of this stuff happens really without me thinking about it actively anymore. My fingers just go to the keyboard and, you know, the windows zip around the screen. Um, another example is like, I usually keep obsidian in the top like quarter of the center screen. Cause it's a, it's usually referenced for me. And then I'm doing the active work, whether it be in Safari or um, a word processor or whatever. And the, the bottom three quarters of the center screen. But sometimes I want to then like dig into Obsidian and do some real research through it. Then I just push a keyboard shortcut and it takes over the bottom center. So as I go through my day, I can easily move these things around the screen using the Moom shortcuts. And the the real trick for it was the idea that, okay, I'm not gonna have equal size squares. I'm gonna have pre-designated graph squares that are different sizes. And then I can make an app big or small, depending on what I'm doing at that moment.
1: That makes perfect sense because we are, our needs aren't constant, are they? And therefore, our window management has to be flexible to reflect that. Um, and that's something that I've really been struggling with. And I think, you know, you've, you've really hit upon it there is that my vertical thirds, don't work when I need to do something that doesn't neatly fit into thirds. Um, And sometimes I need something that's, you know, fairly wide in the middle and then just a little bit of space down the edges, or I just need, sometimes I do just end up using full screen and adding, um, you know, uh, making sure that I've got um, sidebars opened on the left and the right side of the application so that it's not too wide, but I can then concentrate. Um, And I think that's going to be the key here for me using Moom. And so I've just been checking and I've, I've made sure to include a link to the developer's website in the show notes um, so that we can so that everybody can uh, see that and find out how to use it um, because I think it's uh, probably going to be the right tool for most people because it l- does look pretty darn easy to use um, unlike say Keyboard Maestro which is extremely powerful but can be a little bit trickier because I know you've been using Keyboard Maestro for this before David.
0: Yeah, I have. And and historically, Keyboard Maestro has been my tool for this. Um, I'm leaning towards Moom for, and Keyboard Maestro, by the way, remains my tool for setups, which we're going to talk about next. But um, for window uh, control, I feel like Moom is probably a little better because that grid system is ingenious. You just drag it on a grid. With Keyboard Maestro, it works on the basis of percentage of screen width. And I'll talk about that later, how you set that up. But it's not as clean and it's not as visual. And you just have to kind of like guess it and then try it and see if this is right. Whereas with Moom, you just drag it and you're like, yeah, that's about right. And uh, another feature Moom has is not only to save a, a grid space that you can move an app to, you can actually set up an entire set of grids with app, with specific apps and you press a button and it, it auto sorts them into that it's not as powerful as keyboard maestro and it it almost feels to me like now moom is straying into setup land and i'm not sure it's as good at that as keyboard maestro is but for the basic issue of setting up windows and being able to quickly move them around to different spaces on your screen and and also honestly that padding around the windows makes a huge difference for me i just i mean I, I can't share the screen that I shared with Rose because it's got a bunch of stuff on it, but maybe I'll. Yeah,
1: it, it does, and I'm very intrigued by some of the things that I'm seeing here, David. It's all good stuff, people. Um, but I can yeah. tell you, there's some cool things maybe on it.
0: Maybe I'll figure out a way to save this and put it in the show notes with with data in it that's not you know that that's that's not private. But but either way, having a little padding around, like as you look at mine, Rose, what do you think of the little tin? pixel pad around the apps
1: i think that it works for you but it would probably drive me crazy and the reason for that is i don't have a fairly plain background on my mac i have a nice colorful background with sure um I, I mean it's not literally rainbows and unicorns but it's kind of like that Um, and so seeing all those different colors would drive me a little bit crazy um between the applications but if you, and so David's got a, a fairly plain gray background here. And I know it's not just solid gray but, um, uh, as a background, um, but it's fairly plain. So that works really well. And I, I like how this looks on your screen, David, for sure. This episode of Automators is brought to you by the Intro Zone. I love finding new podcasts to listen to. And it's even better when they can actually bring something useful to my life as well as providing me with enjoyment. If you're looking for a new show to listen to, The Intro Zone is a bi-weekly podcast with conversations and interviews on how Microsoft SharePoint, OneDrive, and related tech can work for you. You'll hear from guest experts behind the scenes and out in the field, so you can see how SharePoint fits into your everyday work life to easily share and manage content, knowledge, and applications. Each show covers a bunch of segments, like news and announcements, a focused topic of the week, guest perspectives, FAQs of the week, and upcoming events. And the topics for each show are really interesting. Previous episodes cover migration to the cloud, the power platform, and API and teamwork. I recently listened to their episode on fantasy productivity, and I thought it was really interesting to hearing them talk about exactly the problem that I've seen from both sites, which is actually implementing a technology and getting users to use it. And one of the things that they pointed out, which was really useful to me, And a very easy way to see where my teams have messed up in the past was the rolling things out to one department problem, where one department uses something and others don't, making it more difficult. So you can take the information that they provide and use it with other technologies like Microsoft Teams. Go and listen to it now. Just search for The Intrazone wherever you get your podcasts. That's I-N-T-R-A-Z-O-N-E. Or just click on the link in the show notes. Go check it out. Our thanks to The Intro Zone by Microsoft SharePoint for their support of this show and all of Relay FM. So, David, one of the things that we kind of touched on slash danced around in in the window management segment was the workspace setup and, you know, getting applications open when we, when we need them and, um, you know, closing them when we don't need them and things like that. And I know I'm using Keyboard Maestro for this. I'm guessing you're probably using Keyboard Maestro, too.
0: Yeah, I mean, historically, that, that's that been the whole thing. I did a video on YouTube on it a couple of years ago, and a lot of people have like used that as a basis. And so, you know, Windows setup with Keyboard maestro, as I was saying, is possible. You, you can put it on. And the, the way he did it, which I think is really actually pretty clever, is you set the window size based on a percentage of screen size. Because if you're on an iMac and then you go over to a laptop, you know, if you set specific pixels it's just going to be a mess and it's not going to work where you use a percentage of screen size you're able to have it adapt to whatever your current you know machine is or if you get a different size monitor and everything will still work and the way it does it, there's a built-in step there but it's um screen visible is where you pick the top left pixel and then you do a percentage based on that and Um, I, if you look at the video that I did on YouTube, everything's in there, but you can even address secondary and third monitors through this system. Mm -hmm. Um, and you can set a specific percentage and you can get those gaps or make things tighten up by using that specific percentage. So say, you know, make it start at the top left corner and make the width 33% of the screen. And then you have another window set up where you say, start at the top left corner plus 33 percent of the width if you can follow with me i mean this is hard on a podcast here so we talk about this you can start a second box that is just to the right of that first one and yeah. so there's a way to do this um it is not as user-friendly as moon for just setting windows but you can do it but what keyboard meister really brings to the table is you can say not only that you're going to put a window in this very specific spot on the screen but that window is going to have OmniFocus in it. And it's going to show the Mac Sparky planning perspective because you can trigger a keyboard shortcut that shows up the specific perspective. And then you can say, and then I'm going to open a new tab in OmniFocus and show the Mac Sparky active perspective because I've got one showing the stuff I'm planning to do and stuff I'm actively working on. So I can put both of those in that window. And you you start thinking that through with all the different apps you use. Like if you do stuff, uh, on the web and you go to a specific google doc you can open that google doc or if you you know want to open a specific document in microsoft word it can do that or you know just think through all the stuff you do um hmm. you know set a, open up fantastical and open it up to your work calendar but close your personal calendar all of that stuff is addressable yeah. with keyboard maestro because keyboard maestro can do almost anything and then you start thinking about it you can put together a you know a setup for the day job or you can put up a setup for doing your family tree or anything that you work on repeatedly on your mac where you trigger a keyboard maestro script and your mac just assembles itself into the tool set that you want with the apps that you want in the place that you want them and that is powerful
1: yeah, yeah. So one of the things that I've been doing um, or how I started with this was I actually built um, a, uh, a Stream Deck profile for um different contexts um so i've got a a podcasting one with separate folders for automators nested folders ios today Um, and then inside of that i had buttons for each of the um applications that i would need um and to start with this was a case of you know identifying what i actually use and that worked but it meant that i had to press each of the individual buttons to start applications um and then for most of the show you know those those buttons were completely and utterly unnecessary and what i really needed was to run all of them at the same time so i then combined them um and thanks to your tip in the, in the last show um i am actually using the km link plugin for Stream Deck Now instead of the Keyboard Maestro plugin, because this lets me select the macro from the dropdown. Um, and a, a little hack for people, if you're, they're finding that the the menu um, for, of the the different um, Keyboard Maestro macros is too long, uh, just edit the macro <laughs> that you're looking for, because it's easy to find in Keyboard Maestro, and then it'll be right at the top in your last edited. Um, and That's what I've done with all of them. Um, I've just added a comment and then deleted it, and then boom, it's right at the top um so um i've been using that a lot um and then i at the moment have just been opening all of these and i was actually thinking about maybe now i've got moom combining um opening the applications and then organizing them because most of my podcasting i've got pretty much the same applications um, and they need to go to pretty much the same place um and so i don't want to duplicate all of that logic uh every single time that seems unnecessary um but at the same time you know I, I want things to be uh, good and to actually work. Um, So maybe it's probably better to stick with one solution instead of, you know, crossing the streams. Oh, As we no, know from Ghostbusters, no, you, you shouldn't do that.
0: You should cross, you absolutely should cross the streams here because this is the trick, right? You yeah. use OmniFocus to open up, I'm sorry, you use Keyboard Maestro to open an app like OmniFocus and put it into the setup that you want to see the data that you want. But because Moom... You can apply custom keyboard shortcuts to file placement. You just pull out the file placement elements of the Keyboard Maestro script, and then you just trigger a keyboard shortcut, which you can do easily with Keyboard Maestro. So you open the app, load all the data you want into it, and then the last thing you do is press the the Moom keyboard shortcut where so you can put the window where you want it to be. That makes a lot of sense. And it just so you're using the window management tools of Moom plus all of the awesomeness that is Keyboard Maestro. And then what I do with that is I combine all of that into a single script in Keyboard Maestro. So, where I, while I can have the individual scripts to like get the Google Doc open and put it in a specific place, but if I'm going to do a podcast, I'm going to have one that opens up the recording tool and opens up the page with the advertisements on it and opens up the page with the outline on it and, you know, opens up a message window to Rose. And so all the tools I need on my screen at the moment that I'm recording a podcast, I combine them into one keyboard maestro script. Mm -hmm. And, and where historically I had some very fiddly window placement uh, scripts. I wrote in keyboard maestro, you know, the 33% thing. Now I I took, I, I, I gutted those out And I'm putting Moom keyboard shortcuts in. So it just fits to my Moom keyboard, you know, um, um, grid. And everything just shows up the place I want it. Um, The other piece of that keyboard master script, by the way, that you need to do is you need the first thing you do is you close all windows before you run the script. Because you don't want to put windows on top of windows. It gets nutty. But but this is really not that difficult. Um, Anybody listening to this can do this. And this kind of ties into my whole idea of contextual computing, but just imagine sitting at your computer and pressing one button and your computer suddenly, you know, does a whole bunch of work for you and everything you need to do that specific type of work, you've created the ideal environment for you to do that work. You know, maybe part of it is you close Twitter and the messages app because the type of work you're doing requires focused work and you don't want to be interrupted. Um, but you can put all that together with a combination of Keyboard Maestro and Moon.
1: Yeah, and I think that's what I'm I'm going to be doing here because, you know, that's what works for me. Um, or, you know, that, and that's where I've been struggling a little bit with Keyboard Maestro because it's possible to do all this stuff with Keyboard Maestro. It's just been a little bit fiddly to get everything done. But Keyboard Maestro has actually meant that my workspace setup for uh, iOS today is considerably more stable because uh, I realized... Um, so for people who don't know, iOS Today is a video as well as an audio podcast. Um and for the video, Micah and I try to show our iPads and our iPhones with, you know, what we're actually doing on them uh, as part of the show. But in order to do this, we need to use another piece of software which Skype doesn't natively support anymore. Um, So you have to run a terminal script first. So instead of me, you know, I have a a Skype button um, uh, in my iOS Today segment, um, which, you know, I'm in the process of replacing with a whole series of things that will just open everything at once. But what it actually does is it checks if Skype is open. If Skype is open, it quits Skype. Um, And then it runs this terminal command for me and then it opens Skype and then it opens the Skype preferences so I can check to make sure that my virtual camera is working so that I can pipe my iPhone and my iPad through so that my workspace is actually set up for me to be able to do the work instead of me thinking it's set up and then finding out that it's not, Um, which, you know, would not be great if you're there trying to show an iPad and it turns out you can't.
0: Yeah, yeah, it makes sense. I think one of the things you need to do before you start down this road is make, Um, big boy and big girl decisions about the dock you know are you gonna have the dock on and where is it going to be you know i keep moving it around on my screen for the last two weeks i've hidden the dock as just an experiment and you know what i find is i don't really miss it you know i thought that i was referencing you know because you can show lights to show whether an app is open or not or um, jump to an app with it, but I I never go down with my mouse to the dock to activate a specific app. You know that is something that I do with Alfred, or if I did window management right, I don't need to bother because it's already on the screen. Yeah. Um, so I've been hiding the dock, and actually it's it's been fine. But either way, when you start building these spaces for the windows, you want to account for it, and like Moom does that. If you have the dock on the left or the right or the bottom, it draws the grid around it so you don't cover it up. And, yeah. um, and so you can do that, but but figure it out because the grid size will change if you keep moving your dock around after you set all this up,
1: yeah, and then you're gonna have to tweak things, yeah, so I've just put my dock back um, and i'm I'm sorry, T j. Luoma, um, my dock is now at the bottom, but it's hidden, um, and I'm gonna see how i how I go without a dock, um because I do have a hidden dock most of the time actually when I'm doing a uh, screencast online. Uh, things just because you know you don't want the the doc to be showing all the time Yeah. and uh yeah I mean, i'm gonna have a play and, and see what this is like uh, i'm thinking this might work out well for me i'm also thinking that i might change my mind in a couple of days and uh be confused about my lack of doc and why why did i get rid of the doc and then i'll remember oh yes yeah, because i was talking to david and podcasting and uh, that's the beauty of recording automators you end up changing everything um, yeah, I, I, I guarantee you
0: like sure. two i guarantee you like two months from now my doc will be showing again i won't really know why you know that's a
1: yeah it's thing that's you changed your emotional. mind at some point
0: yeah but but really i haven't for the last couple of weeks i realized because you know the reason to leave it apparent is so you can check it you can flick your eye over to see you know the downloads folder whatever but i i disabled like the recently loaded apps i don't like that feature of the doc so i don't even have that turned on if i want to get to my downloads folder i hit command space do and Al- alfred gets me there and puts it on my screen so it's just i just don't think about the doc and i think i like keeping it around because it's such a mac thing as mm-hmm. a mac power user quote unquote you know i just like It just makes me happy to look at it, I guess, but it's stupid and the pixels are too precious and hiding it has not been a problem for me. I, maybe that'll stick. I don't know, but, but I've been a lot more intentional about my spaces lately because I really do think this idea of spending the time to set up these setups, um, and put your computer, you know, bend your computer to your will automatically whenever you change gears actually really does help your brain change focus and get your work done.
1: Yeah, and I think we should reiterate that point that you made before, David, about closing all open windows. Um, I actually uh, don't close open windows. I quit applications. Um, And I do have some applications that stay open all the time, and you can control that in in Keyboard Maestro, and you can set applications that should not be quit. Um, And so I've got a couple of those which just stay open. OmniFocus and Fantastical are are part of those. Um, And uh, I also don't quit Safari. Um, or close Safari Windows, um, because sometimes it's, you know, I've gone through and I curated a, a list of links um, in preparation of something, and then, you know, I'm... I- when you actually do it, you, you don't want those to disappear. Um, and maybe an open browser window is not the best tool for that. Maybe I should save everything into drafts, but when I'm just going to have to reopen it again anyway, I would prefer to keep it. So, uh, yeah, closing windows and quitting applications, I think, is a critical step in getting your workspace set up the way that you need to do for a good uh, quality of life automation on your Mac.
0: Yeah. And one thing that does not add to your quality of life is manually opening applications and then dragging them on the screen and trying to rearrange them every time you want to change your flow. That is not quality of life. Um, yeah, uh, spend, spend some time on this. It, it, it's a fiddly thing. And like the nerd part of me loves the fiddliness of this, but it really isn't that fiddly. And uh, for me, the trick was discovering Moom's ability to use keyboard shortcuts to put windows in a very specific place that I can very easily define easier than with um, easier than with Keyboard Maestro, and then combining that with the power of Keyboard Maestro, and suddenly, like, man, I'm off to the races. Rose mentioned KM Link earlier. The way I use that is, so I've got buttons across the top row of my um, stream deck that that just like one of them is, is legal writing. One of them is legal admin. One of them is max Sparky planning, you know? So I've just got a bunch of different buttons. And as I go through my day, I'm like, okay, now I'm going to spend an hour working on writing blog posts. And I press a button and suddenly my computer magically turns into a blog writing super machine, you know, and that's exactly what you want, right? You want to change context and have your computer say, okay, buddy, here I am. I'm setting up for you. We're good. You know? And, uh, I find that a very, uh, a very good use of automation.
1: Yes, absolutely. And that's the thing. It, it's all about improving life uh, and making everything much easier so that you, you do just go, oh, yeah, done. Uh, and then, you know, when you think about it, you're, you're blogging.
0: Before we move on, uh, I think you're on a, you have both a 13 and a 15 inch laptop at this point.
1: Uh, I have a 12, a 13, and a 15. Um, So <laughs> to, to be clear, before people think I'm crazy, uh, two of those are work machines, and one of those is personal. Um, The 12-inch the for work is considered a laptop, and the 15-inch is a desktop, um, because you're allowed one laptop and one desktop, and at that point they didn't have Mac minis, and so there was a 15-inch MacBook Pro, and uh, my MacBook SSD died. Um, So I needed a new computer to stat um and that's what was available so that's what i got um so yeah i have multiple machines running around um and i i use all of them depending on what i need to do yeah
0: okay so this this is where all the setup talk we've been talking assumes you've got enough pixels to push around where you can make things fit inside uh the only laptop i have currently is a 13 inch and yeah it is, uh, you know, all the magic I was talking about earlier is going to be hard on a 13 inch screen.
1: It It is tricky. I would, I w- I would start by saying 13 inches is an inch more than 12 inches and the window management on a 12 inch laptop is tricky on a 13 inch laptop after using a 12 inch, it feels so much easier. Um, so, uh, worst case scenario, folks borrow somebody's 12 inch machine for, for a little while and see how you feel about it. Um, however, um, you know, the the trick is um, for me, like you know, figuring out how much do I actually need to see on this machine. At this time, and also using spaces, spaces in the in the Apple sense of uh, this space has these applications on it, this space has these applications on it, and using the multi finger swipe to swipe between the spaces because that's what I do, especially on the 12 inch and the 13 inch, and I find that that really works. You know, I can say, okay, I'm I'm here and I'm I'm using. This application and this application is open for reference and is taking up maybe a third of my screen on the right. And the, the main application is two thirds of the screen on the left. Um, and then I can swipe back and I can see my mail um, and um, Microsoft Teams. And I swipe again and I can see OmniFocus and Fantastical, Um And, you know, and it's, it's a couple of swipes around to get to what I need to see. Now, ideally, I plug these into external monitors, hence the portable 15 inch that I've got that currently is pretty much remaining docked um on on my uh on my mac mini um as a vertical extra display um but i have used it before um when i've needed to with with the laptops just because that's how it works and it works great
0: yeah and and so you can plug a laptop into a big monitor like i've got mine plugged into this massive monitor and and i spend most of my Mac time at my desk with that big monitor and all the benefits. So I just spent the last, you know, X number of minutes explaining. But occasionally I do find myself with just a laptop on my lap. And the the way I've been trying to do this and uh, I've tried different methods like I've tried having all the windows just on one screen but then jump between them with a dock. I've tried, you know, different things. Like Apple's combined app in one window mechanism is is horrible. Um, like if you it just it's very tedious to set up you can't automate it but the idea of full screen apps on a 13 inch actually works for me pretty well and um what i do is kind of like rose's mentioned: use the swipe like i a four finger swipe up on my laptop gets me into mission control mode and every window if it's in full screen is labeled and so you can see you know the names of the apps and even it gives you a, a preview of it if once it loads in and I can jump between them pretty quickly, but like referencing one bit of data to another still isn't really ideal on a laptop. No. And um, what the default setting on this, if you go into system preferences, uh, it's under mission control. Um, the very top option is automatically rearrange spaces based on most recent use.
1: Yeah. I don't know who thought of this, but I'm pretty certain that they don't use spaces the way everybody else would use them because I hate it when I try to go right and whatever was there isn't there anymore because I used it and so it moved left yes and I've I've got muscle memory built in and I know where things are um, the other option that's here that I should should mention is group windows by application sometimes I like to have say multiple omnifocus windows open or multiple Safari windows or you know whatever um and i do not like my windows to be to be grouped by application so that one is turned off as well
0: yeah me too but i don't know if that's a default but the top one the automatically rearrange is a default i think this came up on mpu recently i talked about it on some podcasts recently but this is the road to madness i mean every time you go up to every time you swipe a different app is there so you have no idea of knowing what you're going to be finding and uh, so I, I actually have in my head a very specific arrangement of the windows. Um, you know, in my head, it's Safari, Obsidian, Fantastical, OmniFocus, Mail. So I like in my head, I know what it, it where is in relation to what. And if I'm yeah. actually doing something where I need to reference, I'll add additional spaces to the left of the desktop. So like I can have like a you know, a word processor next to a Safari browser for reference or something, where if I'm doing something very specific, I can put a temporary like setup there, but I always keep the other stuff exactly in the same space. And I find it, uh, my brain, once again, you know, contextually can get to that stuff very quickly. But if you were to rearrange those every time I use a different app, I would be throwing my computer through a window. I, I really yes. don't understand why that's the default. So go ahead and turn that off if you want to try and use yeah. these. But
1: I, I should also mention that if, if you're using a laptop, then, of course, you're going to have a trackpad. If, like me, you've also got an external trackpad that you're using on, on a desktop, uh, then you can use this too. You can also uh, swipe, uh, by default, I believe it's three fingers up and down. Um, to to see um, if you go up, then that's all of your open windows in these current spaces. Uh, But across the top, you also have a list of your spaces, and you can drag and drop these around to rearrange them. Um, And that that can be great for getting things set up. Um, I also, uh, in Mission Control, there is an option to say that displays have separate spaces. Now, if you change this, you're going to need to log out and log back in again. Um, But that can be really useful if you do have multiple monitors, uh, because then you can say, okay, I want these these spaces over here on this monitor and everything else on this monitor or these spaces on this monitor, those spaces on that monitor and then everything else on, you know, whichever monitor, depending on how many monitors you've got. And then that means that you can swipe around um, on on, you know, on multiple monitors um, and you don't necessarily have the same things in both places. And if you do have a laptop that's plugged to a monitor, then um, have a play with that that setting and see whether or not you like it. I personally find it's great to know that these applications are on this screen and those applications are on the other screens. Um, and also with that swipe up, I can easily see my spaces. And if something ends up in the wrong place, then I can drag and drop it and fix it.
0: What I would say, though, that the part that I find most, distracting about this setup is that the finder like takes over sometimes like if you have a file on your screen and you want to just hit the space bar to preview it oftentimes it will jump to the finder window for no for apparently no reason i don't know what's going on with the interaction between the desktop and the finder when you use full screen apps and it feels to me almost like a bug but it's it's very frustrating to like have your computer suddenly jump seven spaces to the right
1: yeah, yeah, that that is definitely annoying, and that is where I can see the automatically rearranging spaces coming in handy. Because then you would just swipe back once, and you'd be right where you were. Yeah, uh, but then everything else is messed up. So yeah. you know, do you really want that?
0: But there is no way to really um, use automation to put the spaces where you want them, to my knowledge. Yeah. And uh, that would be that would be great if Keyboard Maestro could address those. I I believe they've tried. I I think there's the ability to swipe. There's some things you can do with Keyboard Maestro, but it, it's not like, you know, make this setup of spaces just like you can do this setup of Windows. This episode of the Automators podcast is brought to you by ExpressVPN. At expressvpn.com automators, you can get high speed, secure, and anonymous VPN services with an extra three months for free. How did you choose which internet service provider to use? The sad thing is most of us have very little choice because ISPs have a lot of control in the regions they serve. They can then use that control to take advantage of customers like us. Data caps, streaming throttles, the list goes on. But worst of all, many ISPs log your internet activity and can sell that data to other companies for advertising. I protect all of my devices with ExpressVPN, which means ISPs wouldn't be able to see my internet activity. That's right, I use ExpressVPN to stick it to the man. So what is ExpressVPN? It's a simple app for your computer or smartphone that encrypts all of your network data and tunnels through it a secure VPN server so that your activity stays your activity. Just think about how much of your life is on the internet. Every site you visit, video you watch, or messages you send could be tracked and use without your permission. That's the reason I recommend ExpressVPN as the best way to keep your information private. You just download the app, tap one button on your device, and you're protected. And ExpressVPN does all of this without slowing your connection. That's why it's rated the number one VPN service by CNET and Wired. What I love most about ExpressVPN is its simplicity. They've got an app, You open it, you push a button, and you're secure. It works the same on the Mac. So I can always make sure that button is turned on and I'm protected via ExpressVPN. I was given a free subscription when they first started sponsoring years ago, but that ended and I gladly paid. I've been a paying subscriber now for two or three years. It's just a great service and you don't have to think about it. You never notice any delay and you're always protected. So stop handing over your personal data to ISPs and other companies who want to profit from your information. Protect your information with the VPN I trust to keep me private online. Visit expressvpn.com slash automators. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N dot com slash automators to get three extra months for free. One last time, that's expressvpn.com slash automators right now to learn more. Our thanks to ExpressVPN for their support of the automators and all of RelayFM. All right, we've done entire shows on file management, but I think there's like a segment in quality of your life on file management too, because this is another thing like window management that just takes a lot of time, is very tedious, and it's easy to make mistakes if you don't bring automation to bear. And I thought it'd be fun just to kind of check in on ways we're doing this.
1: Yeah. And so something that a lot of people uh, don't know, which I'm going to start with, is Finder can rename multiple files at the same time. Um, And to do this, it's incredibly logical you select multiple files at the same time and then you right click and rename then has an ellipsis at the end that's dot 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 Um, and then when you do that you've got options to add text you can you can format you can add a name and an index a name and a counter the name and a date um, before the name after the name custom formats and everything you can add text replace text you can do all of the things. And oh my gosh, is this such a useful trick? Because you don't need to start digging around with things like automator, quick actions, or anything like that to to just do an incrementing series of, of numbers um, or to add the date um, that a file was created to the start of it. You can do that inside of Finder and, and just be done with it. And that's amazing.
0: I had no idea this existed until you put it in the outline.
1: <laughs> that's the thing. If David Sparks doesn't know about it, most people probably don't because it's a kind of hidden feature. You just wouldn't think that you could do it. Um, and I can't remember how I came across this. I think it was somebody on Twitter alerted me to it. But wow, is it great. Um, and I've used this so many times just because it works really well. Um, and you can, you know, and where you're doing the the format rename, it's got custom format. Um, and you do have to have something in there for it to do that. But oh my gosh, that's, that's, it's just great. Um, and wow, am I impressed with this?
0: Yeah. And Apple, I haven't found a, a knowledge base article on it, but they do have a, in the user guide, they've got some details on this. So we're going to put that in the show notes and, um, and let people check that out. But it, it is really nice to, to know you can do this without a third party app.
1: Yeah. It really is. Um, And it can just be as simple as, you know, you've you've dragged, you have a a camera with an SD card and you're getting all those photos off of that camera and you just want to uh, rename them all to the date that they were taken and the name of the camera that you took them on. Well, you can do that. Um, You know, you'll have to manually input the name of the camera that you took them on, Um, but then you can that that's doable and you don't need to download special applications for it or any of that you just have to use finder and finder is great uh because everybody has to have it installed on their mac um so i i give it 10 out of 10 for that
0: another um tool the third-party tool that i think is great for doing like file quality of life management stuff is hazel and um this is one. I mean, I did a whole field guide on it, and you know we we've done show. I don't know if we have we given Hazel its own show on the Automators. I don't know if we have. But. I
1: am not hundred percent certain uh, there, David. I will just double check. Um, there's a, a secret page with the Automators archive on Relay FM where I can just search everything, and uh, Hazel is not in any show title. Wow. So I am uh, going to uh, put that down in our outline for the not too distant future.
0: But, the, um, but it's just a great app for what I would call quality of life problems. I mean, it's a whole system. You can create a whole filing system on your Mac with Hazel, and maybe we'll talk about that when we give it a whole show. But like, there's little things it does that I find super useful. Um, a good example is um, we have recently, with the death of Skype call recorder, moved out of Skype as our backbone for podcasting. We now do it in Zoom but um, because Zoom has the ability to make the backup recording as part of its service. Um, yeah. So whenever we finish a recording, a file gets a folder gets saved to my desktop with all the backup recordings. Now our primary recording is done with um, audio hijack from Rogue Amoeba. And you know, like 99% of the time that's the file that gets turned into the podcast, but you, you never know if something goes wrong, you want to backup, but I get these folders just on my desk full of it. And I make three podcasts. So I get a lot of these folders and Mm -hmm. they're not folders that I want to, I never really access the data in there. You know, I mean, I know it's there. If something goes wrong, I can go get it, but it's something that takes up a bunch of space. It's on my desktop. It's got a really goofy name and I don't want to spend a lot of time thinking about it. So I have a Hazel roll that If I I tag the file as podcast backup, that's what I do. I could also base, you know, automate the rule based on the name, but because the names change, it's actually kind of difficult to come Mm -hmm. up with a good naming scheme for it. But so it just takes me a second to, to add a tag called podcast backup. In fact, I can automate that with keyboard maestro, which is probably a a discussion for another day, but I have the ability to apply the tag with a very quick keyboard shortcut. And so it, it puts the tag on, and then Hazel will look for any file or folder on the desktop with this tag. And when it sees it, it moves it to a, what I call a podcast archive folder. Mm-hmm. And then in addition, Hazel then monitors that folder and anything that's over 60 days old, it just deletes. So, perfect. Uh, you know, usually I know within a week whether I need the backup file, but just out of an abundance of caution, I made it two months. And yeah. Uh, So all I do is when we finish the show, I put the podcast archive tag on it and then it, or backup tag on it. And then it goes to that folder and then it gets deleted. And I never think about it. So I'm automating the process of moving it to a folder and checking how long it's there and deleting it. Those are three steps that I would have to do manually without Hazel. And that's just like an example of little everyday problems that you can do with Hazel. I mean, like i said you can also run your whole file system on it but just like yeah. whenever you have these little things that show up in your life that you find yourself repeatedly doing often if it involves a file your hazel license was like 30 40 bucks solves the problem for you
1: and that, that's the beauty of it um so i um share the the nested folders folders um inside of Dropbox with Scotty but Scotty only has a free plan for Dropbox and for for what he uses it for it's not worth him upgrading to 2 terabytes of space because it goes from 5 to 2 terabytes 5 gigabytes to 2 terabytes which is kind of a large jump um so um what we've done instead is we have crafted a highly technical system where he adds the word archive to the start of any of the folder names um that he no longer needs access to and then hazel on my end just watches it and goes oh yoink and it grabs it it moves the folder to a different dropbox folder which is not shared with him it's it's a shared folder in that he has a link so he could go in and get something if he needed to but it's not directly shared with him taking up his dropbox space Um, and then it removes the word archive from the front so that everything's alphabetically sorted and it works really, really well, um, because he can rename the folder as soon as he's he's done with everything for the episode, and bam, we're finished. and oh my gosh, do I love that? It works so well um, because it's simple. we We decided to you know take the logical approach of keep it uh you know silly simple. Um, and we did, and it works.
0: yeah, and that's kind of a, a different element of automation between two people. And quite often the easiest is what I think of like a sock on the doorknob kind of automation where you add a tag or you just change the name a little bit between the two of you and then you can have your automation process on either computer take over. Or maybe in this case, intentionally on one computer because he doesn't have the big account. And um, it's really, that stuff is not that hard to put together. Um, Another little like quality of life thing for me is i'm you know i'm big on obsidian lately and they're going to have a mobile app but it's not out yet and a lot of times i write things in drafts that if, that i want to put into a specific place in obsidian and i was looking at all sorts of ways to do that and you know because i'm an automator right you know can i make it so i write directly into the obsidian vault but i'm using their end-to-end encrypted library so that doesn't really work but i do have the file system available on my mac And, but I'm writing these notes on the iPhone, Uh, you know, like just literally right before we started recording today, a client called me and had a couple questions and I wanted to to record that call into an obsidian note. So I quickly dictated it and I made a drafts action that saved it to a very particular folder in Dropbox. And the reason I use Mm -hmm. Dropbox for this one is because you can address individual folders in Dropbox where with the iCloud, you can't. So Uh, back on my mac hazel's looking at that folder and one of them is you know client communication notes whatever blah 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 but it sees a new file appeared there and it just drops it right into obsidian in the right place so um you know i can go to my mac and everything is already there and i didn't have to spend a bunch of time moving files around so just like little quality of life things you know
1: yeah, I actually have a folder in Dropbox called Automated Actions, David, um, and this has a series of subfolders. And basically, the idea of it is is stuff gets put in here to make magic happen. So there's all kinds of, of nerdy things in here, like there's a screen online thing where there's a JSON file and it takes that information. Keyboard Maestro actually takes that information and does magic with it. Um, but speaking of of podcasts, Dropbox and Keyboard Maestro, I actually do want to share um, one of the things that I've done, which is when uh, I finish recording an episode of Automators, I have a Keyboard Maestro macro pop up and it asks me what the what the episode number is. Um, and um, so I input the episode number. So for this one, it's 72. Um, and then there are three buttons on this um, and it's showing me the name of the file and it says, you know, do you want to move it? Do you want to keep it? Uh, Do you want to just ignore it? Or do you want to delete it? And this is great if we very occasionally have a false start to recording. Then I can just nuke the files in one go. um, Or I can just go, actually, you know what? Leave them there just in case there was something great in that. Um, or um I can move them, and then when they get moved, they get renamed, so they've got the the episode number at the start and they get put in the right folder for our wonderful editor Jim to go ahead and you know do the magic on to make this into a full show because keyboard Maestro can do things very similarly to how Hazel can do things as well. It's not the same, it's a very different application. Um, and if you if you want the the very, i wouldn't say very very simple approach but the simpler approach where it's just for file management then of course hazel is is your app but if you want to go a bit fancier then keyboard maestro can do a lot with file management too
0: yeah uh, another app that does good like automation file stuff is DevonThink. think they're a sponsor today full disclosure we didn't know that when i Put this note in and we may at some point do a show on automation in DevonThink because it's there's just so much there. But they have kind of a version of Hazel built into DevonThink, so you can automate files in your DevonThink library. Another one I did with Hazel recently is we're heading into tax season and I'm getting a bunch of forms. And it's the same thing. I use a keyboard master script to apply two tags. One is the word tax and the other one is 2020. And it automatically saves it to a particular folder and copies it to another folder that I share with my accountant. So, you know, just like all these little things that normally take time to do, you can automate your way out of on the Mac with something like Hazel. And in addition to saving you time, because it's automation, it always works. It always puts the file in the exact right place. Mm -hmm. But you do some stuff with Hazel, kind of quality of life stuff that's with their other features, right?
1: Yeah, so Hazel actually has a whole bunch of things built in um, that it can just do for you just by virtue of having the application installed. You don't need to set up rules or folders or any of that, which um, the first one is emptying trash. So um, Hazel can empty trash. Um, I believe it can remove things that are older than a certain date and uh, whenever your trash gets over a certain size by default. Um, And for anybody who's not yet on Big Sur, there is a new version of Hazel for Big Sur Uh, which is a standalone application. It's no longer a system preferences pane. Um, But it's, you know, it's working really, really well for that. Um, And they did a great job overhauling it actually um, for this. Uh, Sorry, I just need to click, skip this version. There we go. So trash. Um, You can have it delete files sitting in the trash for more than a week and keep the trash size under a gigabyte. Now, personally, I have increased this because just like you, David, where you keep things for 60 days, where theoretically you only need it for seven I, it's, I find it's always better to err on the side of caution um, with emptying my trash, because once the trash is emptied, it's gone. Um, now, I do have time machine backups. Um, I also um, have uh, the local snapshots it does. So if for whatever reason my, my backup drive becomes disconnected, I can get things back within 24 hours on on my local machine. Um but, you know, I prefer not to, you know, go through the hassle of restoring things from backups if I don't need to. So I've I've upped that to uh, 10 gigabytes. Um, you can also say oversized files should be left as is or deleted immediately, um, which would mean if you try to delete something that's over, say, 10 gigabytes in my case, then I can say leave it alone or get rid of it immediately. Again, abundance of caution. I've said, said leave this as is, um, but that's fine. The other op- the other um, feature which you can just enable in the preferences. It's under the, the trash option in the preferences is app sweep. So to delete an application on macOS, you you just delete it. That's it. Um, but um, app sweep can go through and just like applications like App Cleaner or Clean Mac um, and things like that, where it can go through and look for everything else. Hazel can do that too and it can go through and find the support files. So that'll be things like little preference files that get left here and there and and stuff like that. Um, and Hazel can get rid of that for you. So, you know, I, you, you might want to enable that if that's how you prefer to remove your applications. Personally, I, I usually use, uh, recently it's been clean my Mac until, until recently it was, uh, app cleaner. Um, but both of those work really well. Um, and, uh, I, I, I really like having uh, these options built into Hazel because it helps make sure that my trash isn't insanely full with loads of items, especially if you haven't used your Mac in a while. Um, you know, as, as you heard, I have three laptops. I don't use all of them at the same time. Um, and in fact, one of my work laptops is really just there as a backup should anything go wrong. It's nice to know that when I go back, I've not got files in the trash from six months ago. This episode of Automators is brought to you by Privacy.com. It's not easy to deal with your finances online and as somebody who spent a fair amount of time traveling and I've lived in lots of different countries, I've certainly had my fair share of buying things online and not knowing if really where I'm putting in my credit card information is super secure, but knowing that it's literally the the only way to get what I need. Privacy is a tool that makes it easy to manage your financial lives online while keeping your most important information secure. By generating virtual numbers, privacy masks your bank information, so you never have to worry about giving it out to people you don't know online. Handing over your credit card details to a new shop, even if it looks like it's using Shopify or something, can be a little bit worrying. If you don't know them, and you don't know really who's behind them, then are they really safe? That's what makes services like privacy important, because even if they are safe, you know that you're safe because you're giving them a number that's used just for them. Just like we try and keep our email details secure, we should do the same with our financial details. And that's what privacy lets you do. Take back control over your payments. Decide who can charge your card, how much, and how often, so there are no more surprise subscriptions. And you can close cards at any time. Plus, you can make sure that you are never accidentally billed twice or upgraded to another service without your consent. And Privacy is partnered with the good folks at OnePassword. You can create, use, and save privacy cards directly within your 1Password dashboard. All virtual cards created in 1Password have the same security benefits as your other privacy cards, and you can set spend limits, create single-use or merchant lock cards whenever you want. Head to privacy.com slash automators and sign up for a new account. New customers automatically get $5 to spend on your first purchase. Go to privacy.com slash automators and sign up now. Our thanks to Privacy for their support of this show and Relay FM.
0: Maybe the ultimate quality of a life tool on your Mac is Keyboard Maestro. We've already mentioned it several times during the show.
1: Yeah, it's come up how many times now? I mean, I don't know um, if we should talk about Keyboard Maestro or. Um, Stream Deck being the Brett Terpstra of the Automators podcast, uh, where you need yeah. to drink a sip of whatever your favorite beverage is every time you hear it. Um, you know, I I highly recommend Coke Zero; that's my current beverage of choice. Um, but you know, take your take your pick there. Um, but both applications really do, you know, make my life on my Mac much much easier. Um, and uh, one of the ways that I really dove into Kibo Maestro and and improved how I use my Mac with it was by looking at the triggers, actually, David. I don't know you know, where you really started. Did you, did you look at the actions first or the triggers? But I found looking at the triggers made it much easier for me.
0: Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, my brain wants to index everything. In fact, if you go to the Keyboard Maestro Field Guide, there's like a whole section that covers every trigger and every action. And I feel like kind of just going through those videos and understanding what can be a trigger and what it can do as an action... Then you just put that in your brain. And then as you're going through your day, you you realize, oh, here's something I could automate. I, I could pull a trigger out of this or that. And um, there's just so many you can use. And for quality of life, little hacks that just make your day go easier, I would agree. Uh, understanding how to use those triggers is key.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's the thing because um, you know, keyboard maestro, one of the things that I have done um with it is uh, I have it start programs when specific drives are connected to my Mac. So I have some external hard drives, I don't keep them plugged in all the time. There's things like bootable backups and things like that. Um and I have it say, you know, when when this volume is mounted, um and it knows then that when the the bootable backup volume is connected, um, yes, I'm, I'm very creative when naming external hard drives, um, that it should open a Carbon Copy Cloner for me um, so that, that that application, you know, pops up. And I know that I can do this in Carbon Copy Cloner, but I consolidated all of this stuff into one application so that I know if I'm looking for, I plug this in and something happens. I'm looking for, at keyboard maestro and that's where i'm looking to find this um because the other trigger that you can use is also a usb device um and so whenever my my xlr interface is connected to my mac then it pops open a different series of applications and does things and now i've actually switched xlr interfaces uh recently i'm now using a, a focus right for anybody who's curious and so this remains permanently plugged in because unlike zoom it doesn't have battery and and you know to be powered up and things like that Uh, it just is um, which works great but you know I added that as well because uh, the same thing can trigger any of these and so whenever I do that it pops open a couple of things so that I can make sure that everything is running smoothly and when you plug something into your Mac it's usually because you're going to do something Um, and so I love the fact that you know you can say okay this volume any volume actually is mounted okay just open finder for me whenever i plug in a drive open finder done and and that actually is a very simple macro you select your trigger you have one action and done and that's it um and that can make your life much easier and i know that my dad now has keyboard maestro because whenever he connects a drive it does that
0: yeah i mean so often when you plug something into your computer it's it's about to result in a repeated behavior that you know every yeah. time you plug your camera card in you do this Every time you plug in your backup drive, you do that. And because Keyboard Maestro can recognize something being plugged into your computer as a trigger, that is like healthy ground for automation. And uh, another one I do is my scanner. You know, I have a Fujitsu scan snap. It could work wirelessly, but the way I'm set up, I just do the scanning on the weekends and I plug it directly into my computer, put it on my desk and, you know, I'm right there. So I just work through it. And one of the advantages of that is, as soon as keyboard maestro is always watching and says, oh he just plugged his scanner in well then you need to open preview on the right side of the screen you need to open up the fujitsu software on the left side of the screen you need to you know there's a whole bunch of things that happen and that's stuff i would normally do manually but you know getting back to quality of life uh why not have keyboard maestro do all that stuff for me and it took all of about two minutes to set that script up one time. And now for the rest of my life, when I plug in my scanner, my computer says, oh, he's in scanning mode. In fact, one of the things I do is I open up a YouTube window because when I'm scanning, I'm just sitting there. So I'll watch something on YouTube while it happens, you know? So it's just, you know, goofy, but you know, why not make, you know, bend your computer to your your will, like we say at the top of every show. And, and this is a great example of an excellent trigger and keyboard maestro, that can lead to a lot of quality of life stuff. another really good trigger for quality of life improvements with Keyboard Maestro that you should be aware of is the Wi-Fi connection. Because that's another good one where it's, it'll say, well, he he connected to the home Wi-Fi or he just connected to the work Wi-Fi or he connected to Starbucks. And maybe the apps you open, the settings you have, all change depending on where you're located. Well, why would you do that manually? Just use that Wi-Fi trigger.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And that was something I used back in, back in the day where I did something as, as crazy as going to the office. Wow. yeah, It's in a yeah. whole other country now. I don't do that anymore, David. A little, a little um, less but,
0: relevant at the moment, but hopefully it'll, that's about to change.
1: Yeah. I'm sure for many people, that sort of thing will, will return. Um, and you know, I, I, it was really simple, um, but uh, the other thing that I've done is Keyboard uh, Maestro also has a menu bar option. And I have a lot of things in in the menu bar. Um, and uh, I used to have a little meeting uh, option in my menu bar where if I ran it, it would hide uh, a whole bunch of applications and things like that and just and actually close the windows on on pretty much everything except just a few things so that I, I knew that there was nothing in on my Mac that was going to pop up during the meeting that shouldn't because you know it wasn't that i was doing anything bad on my mac it was more the point of i learned very quickly that certain people in management if they saw that i would made notes on the possibility of doing something would then immediately want it even if it was six months of work and of course they wanted into um and so it was it was for the best to make sure that these things were hidden from said people and therefore could not inadvertently pop up in a meeting um well, we were still in the pre-discussion stages with my boss. Um, And so this, you know, was pretty much just a save me unnecessary work and stress uh, button. And I would highly advise that everybody have have a button like that, because I know now when I go into meetings, my meeting button, uh, now I'm at home, does things very differently. It it just hides everything else. Um, But it, it, you know, it Actually, thanks to Pushcut sends a notification to my phone so that my phone can, uh, I tap it and it, it automatically then puts my phone in Do Not Disturb um, for the length of the meeting um, and, and things like that. But, it you know, it, a meeting button is something that you can easily do with Keyboard Maestro.
0: Yeah, I mean, so much of this stuff, I wish shortcuts had, you know.
1: Yeah, yeah, same. I think uh, we we all wish the shortcuts had many of the things that keyboard maestro had, but also at the same time, sometimes I wish keyboard maestro had some of the things that shortcuts does um, yeah. just because, you know, they're, they're two very different applications um, and they were built very differently uh, in the beginning um, and, uh, it's, it's interesting to see the crossover between them though. Sometimes I do wish, and maybe, maybe we should ask Peter, the developer of keyboard maestro, um, if he can do this, if he can, um, alias some of the actions so that when I search for things with the shortcuts name, I still find it in keyboard maestro and I can learn what it's, what its real name is. Um, because every so often I look for something and I, I, I can't find it and I know it exists in keyboard maestro. I just have to Google around until I, I stumble across the right name for it
0: yeah um like you know a little quality of life thing i did recently with keyboard maestro is a grammarly workflow i'm a grammarly subscriber so a lot of the stuff i write gets run through the grammarly filter um it's not an end all but i mean it's a good it's the only grammar checker that i've ever really had any reliance on you know like the Mm -hmm. ones built into word processors are usually pretty bad but um there's a couple of problems the first is um it's really a web service it's not a um an app their app is i think it's an electron piece of garbage and um the uh and their app is slow and just it's not worth it so when i do this stuff i always do it on their website but there's a whole process i gotta go through like i've written i've written it in drafts or obsidian i've written it somewhere and then i want to run it through grammarly so i found myself doing the same thing every time you know select copy you know open up a website paste you know so i put all that into a keyboard maestro script the only tricky thing about it I mean, to assemble it was very easy you know uh command a selects all the text command c copies the text so i'm running two keyboard commands in in a mm-hmm. keyboard maestro open safari to the grammarly website and this is where it gets tricky Um, there's not a keyboard command on their website to open up a blank document to paste it in. Instead, you have to mouse over a specific icon and press it. But um, Keyboard Maestro has the ability to look for an image on the screen and press Mm -hmm. it. So I do that. So I just took a screenshot of it. And it's a very distinct image. It's like a new, it says new underneath it. And I press that button. Then I pause for half a second and I hit command uh, V to paste it. And yep. that, that was something I was doing like three or four times a day, you know, manually. And it just occurred to me like, wait a second, what am I doing here? You know, so um, that's a keyboard maestro quality of life. improvement. Yeah,
1: that is definitely one. And I should I should steal that, David, because uh, I use Grammarly, too. Um, and I love the fact that it, it pops up whenever I'm doing things uh, on the web so that I can, you know, have it have it fix things for me. Um, because, you know, every so often while I'm typing in the forums, uh, I'm, I'm not so great at typing necessarily. I'm currently fostering a cat and she likes to sit with her paw on the keyboard um, and she's not pressing any buttons. She's just obscuring those buttons from me. So I can't always press the right button. And Grammarly helps uh, by saying I think you know, this word is incorrectly spelled. I think you meant this. And of course, there's built-in check on the Mac, but this is also good when I've missed apostrophes and things like that so that it can actually fix things so that it's, you know, decent English so that people that actually totally understand it.
0: Rose, that is totally a cat thing. To like sit oh, yeah. there and just put parts of her body over what you're working on so you can't see them.
1: (laughs) Yeah, Earlier today, she was trying to sit so that her entire body was covering the keyboard, and uh, I had to have a polite conversation with her to explain that that was not acceptable. And uh, that, of course, got me a vacant stare and a blink. Um, And then I tried putting the laptop on her, and she wasn't unhappy about it. I was very gentle in the way that I did it, and this was a 13 inch, not a 15 inch, um, so I, I was gentle about it. And then she got the memo that maybe her being on top of the keyboard was was not the best solution, and she settled for being on the trackpad. Um, so fortunately, my Bluetooth mouse came to the rescue. <laughs> yeah, cats.
0: Yeah, the automation is hard when you can't see the keyboard.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Or Well, it wasn't so much that I couldn't see the keyboard. It was that I couldn't use the keyboard. And, and now we settle for me occasionally not being able to use parts of the keyboard, which, you know, it's not ideal, but it works. So I'll take it.
0: Yes. You know, a dog doesn't put itself over the keyboard, but it does other things that get in the way of automation. Like I was rearranging my desk and I had the stream deck cord hanging off the end and she's never chewed on cables. But for whatever reason, it was like a fabric cable Oh and yeah. And I looked down and she just chewed the end right off and I'm like, damn but the fortunately the the big um stream deck you can actually replace the cable on and the smaller ones yeah. I understand you can't, so
1: Yeah. Yeah. I've got the medium size, which actually works great for me. I keep looking at the large stream deck, but it's not available um, on Amazon at the moment in the UK, though for anybody in the UK who's listening, Curry's do have them in stock. Um, But um, the the problem is, is I I don't feel like I can justify it right now because I'm really happy with the medium size. I would love a replaceable cable though, because the cable on this, A, extremely long, B, USB A, not USB C. Um, so, you know, that would be better. But speaking of uh, the the Stream Deck, the Stream Deck um, actually just on its own can be a great way to do a whole bunch of things. Um, a, a recent uh, plugin update um, for it has allowed a global mute button uh, in Stream Deck for your microphone. Um, and this, this previously was a Windows only feature, uh, but now it's Windows and Mac, which means it works. And I love it. It's great. I love having that there. And I've been using that a lot. I have a, a foot pedal for my external microphone. Um, but I love the, the, the Stream Deck button for it as well. But of course, you can amp up your Stream Deck massively with Keyboard Maestro and, uh, the plugin that we mentioned near the start of the show, uh, KM Link, because you will just be able to do so, many things with that because it's, you know, 16 programmable buttons. I have a button here with the automators logo on it, David. Um, you know, how yeah. cool is that?
0: Yeah, and then I would imagine, is that your automator setup?
1: Yep, yep. So that that takes me, at the moment, it's taking me to a folder. I'm going to reprogram that soon uh, to take me to an automators profile yeah. uh, specifically. Um, and um, I I love that, you know, I can then customize everything and I have all the things here. Um, and the automator's profile at the moment is got a um, it's a folder and it's got some buttons for for different applications and things like that. But instead, I'm going to change it so that there are a couple of different things that I I I do frequently. So obviously, we have preparation before the show. Then we have recording the show. Um, and then um, of course there's post production. Um, it might be you or it might be me who who goes through and makes sure the links are there and and does the upload. Uh, it depends on on what's going on and everything. Um, but those are the three different states of automators, um, yeah. and so I need to set it up so that I've got those and then some other handy buttons that I should just always have available, like the Relay FM CMS and things like that, um, so that I can always make sure that things are there. And you know, the Google Drive um, folder, so that I can always find all of our our documents, um, which is super handy.
0: The last time we had TJ on. Uh, he really gave me religion about multiple palettes on on oh, the yeah. stream deck, you know. And um, like a good example, and this really combines well with Keyword Maestro. Like Microsoft Word is a good example. It's an app that I use a lot, but it's it's just really kind of sometimes difficult to get it to do like repeatable tests. Like one of the things I do often is I comment on documents for clients, and I put. uh, capitalized word privileged in the top of the comment. So I wanted to be clear when I send to the client, this is not a version of the document we can send to the other side yet. It's I'm now making comments that are just between the two of us about this document. And, you know, uh, repeatedly going to hit the comment, add comment button, which is not easy in Microsoft Word. I mean, you can do it with a right mouse click or you can do it from a menu bar, but all of that kind of takes away focus. And so I made a keyboard maestro script that, um uses the keyboard combination for the selected text to add a comment then writes in the word privilege puts a colon adds a new paragraph at one point i was highlighting it but i thought that was too much um and then once i made that script then i just added it to a stream deck button and i have a whole stream deck palette that loads every time i open microsoft word and that was kind of the gateway and now all of a sudden like all the like weird repeatable stuff i do in word I've made keyboard maestro scripts and buttons. Some of them are as simple as just like a keyboard combination of changing the view from draft view to print preview or, or things that you could just do with yeah. a keyboard shortcut. But some of them are like multiple steps strung together. And I've got this whole palette of tools. So when I'm working in Microsoft Word, I can just reach up and press any button and make a bunch of stuff happen. And it's just really nice, you know, and, and that you know i kind of i know i keep saying it but that's the idea of the show today of like what are the daily problems you're having and how are you automating around them
1: yeah that so that's something um your your comments uh in Mark word david has reminded me that i do the same thing in ScreenFlow, um and so i have a couple of buttons and adding a chapter marker in ScreenFlow is just one button it's a single back tick uh for americans on your keyboard is the top left button next to the one uh, you just press it once um, and then, bam, you've got a backtick. Um, and if you do three of those before and after a piece of code uh, in our forums, then it will format it nicely automatically. So, bonus tip for you. Um, but adding a chapter marker in ScreenFlow, it's one button. It's super easy. However, I never just add a chapter marker. Um, I always have to type something. And while I'm editing, I often add to dos for myself to you know, you know, to do tighten this up or to do um re-record this video um and things like that and even if i'm then going and doing it immediately uh because screenflow has a somewhat poor tendency to crash for whatever reason um then um i i make sure to to uh to add this and and then hit save um and so what i do is i have some buttons and this is a stream deck palette that appears whenever i open screenflow um and then it it presses uh, the backspace key for me, and then it types to do colon, and then hits command S. Um, and I'm using Keyboard Maestro macros for for these just because it's easy. And then I have it in Keyboard Maestro if I need it elsewhere, like, for example, on another Mac, which might happen. Um, though I do recommend you back up your screen file profiles regularly, and there's a backup function in Stream Deck. Um, uh, for you to do that um but i've i've got several different ones you know i've got a couple of different to do's i've got one which is uh notes for jf who's the managing editor over at screencasts online and he goes through all the screencasts and so i can leave him a note and it just adds one which starts with jf colon um, and then of course i need to type in whatever it is um and it makes my life so much easier to be able to do that because you know you press a button and you you're most of the way there And that's it. And these buttons are right next to my keyboard. Do you have your Stream Deck on the right or the left of your keyboard, David?
0: Or in the center? It's to my left, to my left. Just under, just above kind of the upper left portion of the keyboard. I can reach it really without moving my hand very far. Okay, mine
1: is, mine's on the right. Um, yeah. because uh, I was having a slight issue with Crackle uh, coming through on my audio, um, and it's fixed. Uh, but one of the ways I fixed it was moving all of the things that aren't my XLR interface away from the left side of my desk. Uh, okay. That said, I am planning on rearranging my desk in the not-too-distant future. So uh, hopefully that will that will move uh, around at some point because at the moment the right side of my desk is a little bit cluttered. There's a HomePod, uh, a watch charger, um, a multi-port dock uh a chi charger for my iphone an ipad an extra monitor a light uh and my my stream deck over here as well as a couple of other things that probably shouldn't be here why do i have a spare lightning cable right there anyway
0: i do think if you're gonna buy you know if we've sold you in the stream deck you're gonna buy one i would recommend just getting the big one because yeah you're just gonna keep finding uses for those buttons yeah, I mean, yeah, just, I, mean I would
1: I would say don't get the small one because it's only six button- buttons and yeah. six buttons is not enough. Um if you want to try it then there's a, a an iPhone application with a subscription in it um and you can get a month for free. Um and that iPhone version is the same number of buttons as the medium size. Um, Now, I would say the medium sized one is good because the Stream Deck itself is actually quite small, but it comes with a little stand that's adjustable so you can have it at different angles. Um, And of course, with different profiles and folders, you'll you'll be fine um, with 15 buttons if if you're willing to switch folders and so on. Um, And I don't regret having the 15 button one aside from the fact that I can't change the cable. Um, Whereas, of course, David, you know, you could change the cable on yours. So.
0: Yeah, that paid off for me. <laughs> yeah, the uh, yeah, but you know, uh, Stream Deck and Keyboard Maestro go together so well. I, I would argue that if I could only have one, it would absolutely be Keyboard Maestro because if you don't want to spend the money on the Stream Deck, you can also put together keyboard palettes on screen with Keyboard Maestro to do a lot of these same things. Yeah. But there is something, and as someone who believes in the religion of you know keyboard shortcuts, I'm surprised to say this, but there's just something about having that button list in that separate device with all those buttons.
1: I think it's the pictures that you can add to them. So I'm, I'm, I'm looking at my, my overall, um, my, my, my standard view on the stream deck as it were. And I've got icons here for automators, nested folders, screencast online, iOS today, Uh, I've got TJ Luoma's Fantastic Pal uh, because, you know, this is my last meeting of the day. um, And, you know, it's the last thing that's happening. And I've got a mute button and I can switch through. I've also got a button to control my Philips Hue lights, but all of these have got pretty icons on them. So if I look at the automators one, it's the automators logo. Nesta Folders is the Nesta Folders logo and so on and so forth. And so when I look at it, I don't, my brain doesn't translate what it's seeing. It just knows iOS today, press the rainbow done um because the ios today i come for anybody who doesn't know is kind of a rainbow gradient Automator is red gear with it with an a in it kind of looks like the uh, captain america logo perfect yeah. um and you know i i, I love that i just look at it and my brain immediately associates the colors and the shapes that it's seeing with the thing that it needs to do um and that's why you know <laughs> my my screen flow uh profile uh, on my stream deck, it's got things like um, uh, uh, it's a comment bubble with a green check mark in it, um, and and these are just some things that I I've made by overlaying p PNGs on top of each other, um, uh, in uh, Pixelmator, um, you know, nothing too fancy or crazy, but it works, um, uh, so yeah.
0: yeah, I I took um, Stephen Millard, who was a guest in episode sixty eight, I um, he has a script that will run and pull out all of the SF symbols, which is Apple's kind of open source well it's not open source but apple's common icon set and he can in so i just ran his script to put them all on a dark gray background and so for like in the microsoft word one it's just a bunch of icons but there it's just faster seeing the icon and pushing the button than any other way that i'm aware of so yeah it's it's pretty cool
1: Uh, i really love that and i also have a, a bonus tip for you though david if you um then uh put the the icons through there's um an icon formatter in shortcuts where you can format things as an app icon which just kind of rounds the corners off you can then use those icons as omnifocus perspective icons um which i love and i may or may not have an entire new series of omnifocus perspectives with fancy icons thanks to Stephen millard so thank you Stephen. i'm
0: gonna have to follow up on that because i I did that but i did that manually so i wasn't very automator friendly to use some of those Ah. for
1: well, I, I, I may have also um, got a little bit crazy. and made um, an uh, an extension to his script where it allows me to search the Font Awesome icons for something. So for example, I can search for arrow or dice or something like that. And that will find all of those and just create icons with all of those for me. Um, because uh, I, I tend to use Font Awesome because I, I use that for, for work as well. Um, and we have a pro subscription there and so on. So I'm quite familiar with the icons they create. So I know... Uh, how I can easily search it. Um, And so I've literally had that open on my iPad and I've been generating icons on my iPhone, uh, which works really well, unless the cat on your lap decides to randomly tap the cancel button, which she did once.
0: Yeah, I have a, a small group of friends that I have a shared Dropbox folder with where we put like Stream Deck icons and things like this. You're in it. so. But maybe we should think of like a GitHub or something we can do for the listeners as well. So we could have like a community-based location for Stream Deck icons and OmniFocus perspective icons because everybody's doing all this stuff on them, and um, if we had a way that everybody could share it, that would make it easier for everyone.
1: I'll see if I can sort something out with that uh, before the before the episode, David. Um, Yeah, I I can't promise for our listeners that I will have been able to do that, Um, but uh, if 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 I can, there'll be something in the show notes for you.
0: Yeah, or or we'll let's report back. In two weeks with the next episode. So we have Perfect. time to put it together.
1: I, I may have a few other things to talk about in a few weeks as well. Dan. All
0: right. Cool. cool. Looking forward to that. This episode of The Automators is brought to you by DevonThink. Get organized and unleash your creativity. Go to devontechnologies.com slash automators to get 10% off. DevonThink is the most professional document and information management application for the Mac. It's the one place for storing all your documents, snippets, or bookmarks and working with them. The integrated AI assists you with filing and searching, while the extensive search language with advanced Boolean operators helps you out. DevonThink features a flexible sync system that supports many cloud services or lets you synchronize over the local network too, with everything securely encrypted. This gives you the choice for however syncing works best for you. It has smart rules and flexible reminders that let you automate all parts of your workflow and delegate boring, repeating tasks. Let DevonThink automatically organize your data with rules you define. DevonThink's AppleScript dictionary is one of the largest on the Mac. There's no part of DevonThink that can't be automated. Extend DevonThink's functionality with your own commands by adding them to its scripts menu. Even templates can have scripts inside, and you can set up new documents with data from placeholders or inserted by your own AppleScript code. And of course, there's so much more from the iOS Companion app to email archiving, scanning, or even embedded web server for sharing your data securely with your team. My life is document intensive, and I'm a big DevonThink fan for that reason. I've got databases for Mac Sparky stuff and field guide research I've also got DevonThink libraries for a bunch of my legal work. Uh, it's just a great place to go because I control the security, I control the syncing, and I have massive, powerful tools at my disposal, way more powerful than what the Finder provides. You can get 10% off DevonThink 3 or upgrade to it right now. Just go to devontechnologies.com automators. That's devontechnologies.com automators for 10% off. Our thanks to Devon Technologies for their support of the Automators and all of Relay FM.
1: So, David, I think uh, you know we're we're almost at the end of the show here. Um, I think it's probably time to round out the episode with the other small things that we're we're doing. And I think the first place that we've got to start with here is Automator because we've not really talked about Automator much today. You know, when compared to tools like Keyboard Maestro and Hazel. It pales in comparison, um, which is a shame because it's actually a pretty powerful tool and it's free um, and it's on every Mac out there, um, and it can do some pretty cool things. So I've I've used it before for things like combining PDFs, um, especially when I was applying for a mortgage. Um, to start with, I was told, "Oh, we need all these as separ- separate documents." So I made a point everything's a separate document, blah 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 blah. And then they said, "Oh no 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 no, we need um, all of your your bank statements as one PDF." um and for somebody who has banks in multiple countries this was you know quite a few documents and I wasn't about to sit there and drag all of those one after another into the the sidebar of the preview window no I just used the combined pdf option in automator um to do that and I had it pop up ask me for the pdfs um and then combine them and it spat out a brand new pdf for me and that was it done and automator really was the place to start with that and i know there are so many other ways i could have done this there are web services i could have done it in the terminal Uh, maybe keyboard maestro has the option to do that but it worked with automator and it was easy um so i was wondering do you use automator for anything
0: yeah i mean first of all it's sentimental i mean our friend sal segoyan is the brain behind auto the automator you know and um the uh I'm I'm like you, a little sad because it's like it started out amazing. I think it was Tiger that that showed up for the first time, ten point four, and the um, there was just so much that, so much promise that never really got fulfilled. They never gave Sal, I feel like, the resources he needed to turn it into something like workflow or shortcuts. But it was like the DNA is there, like, and you know, like the workflow team. Openly acknowledges that that was part of their inspiration for workflow, which became shortcuts. Um, it just never got like the the variable support and the action support that we really needed. That being said, I use it a lot. Um, one of my favorite automation workflows I got actually from Sal from a website. I'll put a link in the show notes. Um, because I'm a lawyer, I send a lot of PDFs to people that are not done. You know, people are reading draft PDFs. And I was doing, I had all these different ways of marking it as draft. Like there's ways you can do it in the PDF applications. And none of them I was really satisfied with. Um, Because a lot of times I'll just have the the file on my desktop before I send it off and I want to mark it as draft. So I made an automator script that takes a PNG stamp of the word draft, tilts it 45 degrees, makes it really big. Um, sets the opacity to like 30% so you can see through it. And it's a big red draft stamp, and it just stamps it on every page of the PDF and then Mm -hmm. changes the name to add the word draft at the end. And I use that probably every day, you know, just like I'm because I'm constantly sending these PDFs out to clients for review. And, you know, the fear is if I send them something that's not marked draft and it's not done, and then they try they they use it and as a mistake or just aren't thinking and then all of a sudden you have a contract signed that isn't the right contract and so it's just like uh, things like that it's really good for but that's kind of a static automation you can it's not like changing names inside the document or anything but it because it's baked into the operating system I can trigger it on my desktop very easily and um so I do f- still find use for automator
1: yeah. Yeah. And you can trigger it. You can, so you can run automator workflows through things like Hazel and stuff as well, which of course increases its power. So you can say, Hazel, if, if this file matches all of these requirements, then, then run that automator yeah. action. Um, I, I pretty much use it the same way you do as, um, you know, quick actions inside a finder. So um for anything that's an image, uh, I have a, a special button, which allows me to resize uh, those images. Um, and it's called Forum Resize uh, because I use this when I'm uploading images to forums. You don't need 12 megapixels if you're uploading a photo to the yeah. my Power Uses forum yeah. or the Automator's forum. Um, and if you've taken a photo on your iPhone, it, it's probably pretty darn huge. Um, and so I have it, you know, resize the images for me um, and it works great. Um, and uh, it just resizes them. Um, and um, I think... Uh, it adds the word dash small to the end or no, it saves it on my desktop. That's it. Yeah. Um, And um, so that, you know, the new one appears on my desktop and I have a, actually a hazel action um uh, on my desktop where anything that appears there, it opens it in Yoink. Um, and this just means that it then, you know, a couple of seconds after it appears on the desktop, it pops up in my Yoink bar on the bottom left so that I can I can see it quickly and, and drag it to wherever it needs to go. And then it vanishes out of Yoink again. Um, which just makes my life a little bit easier um so automator definitely still has its place and i I really wish it could have become more um and I don't know maybe next year we will see shortcuts on the mac um they recently added get variable back to shortcuts David in the 14.5 beta yeah. um so i'm I'm curious as to what that means and yeah why would you they know do what that? that could imply
0: yeah.
1: yeah yeah i I just got used to not having it literally you know I, I finally stopped searching for it and gone with you know in, everything being magic variables and very rarely did i have an occasion where i thought oh yeah get variable would be handy here um uh, and i I, i'm wondering if actually maybe they brought that back because tapping and holding on variables to then say um to then uh, tapping and holding on things so that you can then select a variable was not logical um for a lot of people like it's quite hidden um, I know a lot of people have struggled with with certain things going oh yeah but I, I want to insert this but if I tap on it it doesn't give me that option the answer is of course tap and hold um, but yeah I'm, I'm wondering if maybe maybe it really means it's coming to the Mac I'll cross my fingers
0: uh, who knows I mean it, it'd be very interesting to see how that fits with Keyboard Maestro you know yeah um, Yeah. I'm sure there'd be some things it can do better because it's baked into the system and other things that would be much worse at Yeah frankly yeah. so i i don't know but i i uh i hope so i hope so i think that that needs to but i mean since i feel like automator is never going to get the love it needs if if we have to do it no. by getting shortcuts on the mac then so be it
1: yeah 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 well um, let's also
0: like, before we go uh you and i had both written down a couple apps in the process of this outline that are kind of like quality of life automation apps that are kind of out of the normal that i thought we yeah. should mention
1: yeah. Uh I'll start with amphetamine. Um no, it's it's not a drug. It's a drug for your Mac. Um it's it's in the Mac App Store. Um there was recently a, a thing where Apple asked them to rename even though they've had that name for for years, and then Apple went back and said, actually no, it's fine. Um but I love amphetamine because it's uh for people who've used um the caffeine command in the terminal or um a uh, Java, um, Latte, um, there's a couple of different ones. They're all pretty much coffee-based names um, for the Mac. Little menu bar applications that sit in, sit in the menu bar on your Mac where you can stop your Mac going to sleep. Amphetamine is one of those, but it's better because it has automation. So, for example, you can say, hey, uh, this machine is a laptop. Whenever it's plugged in, I want you to not let it go to sleep. Thank you. Um, or have it do it on a schedule or have it do it when certain drives are connected. And I love this. For, for my work laptops, I have it keep them awake during working hours. This is not because I'm not working, but it means that if I get up to go to the bathroom and get a glass of water and and stretch my legs or something. Then when I come back to my computer, it's not gone to sleep, um, which, of course, kills my VPN connection, kills my my terminal connections, um, and causes a whole mess of things that take, you know, 10 minutes to unpick when really all I needed to do was get up, go to the bathroom, grab a glass of water, maybe a bar of chocolate, um, and come back to my desk. I didn't really want 10 minutes of extra work. And so amphetamine saves me a lot. Uh, with that um, because you know it, it just works and it's got a couple of different icons as well uh, there's a pill icon some coffee icons um, a sun and a moon things like that so you know when it's on and off but I, I love the fact that it's got these these automation options built into it of course you can run terminal commands and stuff when when you plug things in through keyboard maestro and and so on but I find amphetamines just a super easy way to do it
0: yeah I the one I would add in this one is controversial for some folks is clean. My Mac X um, not controversial in the sense that it's a bad app. It's a fine app, but people, a lot of nerds write me every time I talk about this and they're like, well, if you just run this terminal command and that terminal command and blah, 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 you can do a bunch of maintenance on your Mac. And I agree, but I don't want to do any of that stuff. I want it automated <laughs> you know? yeah. and clean. My Mac X combines it. It checks the disc volume. It, it checks the, you know, the RAM usage, like all the little stuff that you can use to kind of make your Mac run better. It does that. And if you get a set app subscription, you get it as part of that. And I run it on my Macs and I feel like it's an automation tool because it just does a bunch of stuff that I personally don't want to stop and do.
1: Yeah yeah, same. And um, so earlier in the show, we mentioned that uh, Hazel can do things like um, clean up uh, apps when they're deleted. Um, and things like that. Um, And also monitor your trash. CleanMyMac X can do that too. Um, I'm personally still using those in Hazel, but not because I don't like CleanMyMac. I actually do like it and I use it. Um, And recently I was running out of space on my Mac and I could not figure out why. And uh, CleanMyMac X has a feature where it can go through. It can look at everything on your Mac and sort things from biggest to smallest. And I found a rogue 32 gigabyte file that had been duplicated six times, uh, which explains where all of my space went David. Oh my gosh. Wow. Um, So uh, that that was a lot of space. um, And uh, I now have it back. And uh, that 32 gigabyte file turns out was unnecessary as well because that project was finished months ago. Uh, So that has been nuked from orbit um, and no longer exists.
0: Well, all right. Um, Quality of life automation. I bet you've got some that you would like to share as well. And we have a forum for that that you can find on talk.automators.fm. Thank you to our sponsors, our friends over at Microsoft, ExpressVPN, Privacy, and and DevonThink. We are the Automators. You can find us at relay.fm slash automators. And we have a website at automators.fm. And we'll see you next time.
1: Goodbye, everyone.